It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team here's the other debate and i'm not sure pete and i are going to debate it i give you my thought maybe you agree maybe you disagree in fact i'm going to let you go first i'm going to let you set the tone on this and that is the reemergence of edwin diaz edwin diaz threw off a mound on wednesday afternoon he is clearly on the fast track and could potentially come back do you want him to come back are you in no. favor of him coming back no no he I appreciate his efforts. I I know he wants to come back with his team, but there is no reason for him to come back in September at all. It's a waste of time. He showed up the other day. He he, he signed some autographs. He did his bobblehead. That's good enough. 2024, we'll hold off till then. I will give you a reason why he could or should come back. I'll bring you back to 2014 when Matt Harvey was coming back from Tommy John surgery. And Matt Harvey really wanted to come back. The Mets were not in a pennant race. The Mets were eyeing 2015. And I thought at the time, you can't think about the magnitude of the games. You can't think about the lack of a pennant race. You have to think about, does this benefit the athlete? Does Matt Harvey missing an entire year to Tommy John surgery, which is a a big deal. As much as we minimize Tommy John surgery, it's a big deal. Does it mean something significant for Matt Harvey to be on a mound in September in 2014 for his own confidence going into 2015? And I always thought, because Joe and I would argue this at the time, because Joe had the same view you have about Diaz, which is what's the point? Because you think of it, maybe rightfully so, in terms of this season. It doesn't matter. Why would you pitch him? Edwin Diaz had a devastating injury. Devastating. I don't know how much mental kind of comeback you have to battle through when you're recovering from an injury like this. So instead of having an entire offseason to stew about, will I be able to do it? Will I be able to be on a major league mound? Will my leg be able to hold up? If he's physically ready and the doctors are saying he's fine, like he's, he's okay to come back, like you were okay with him coming back if the Mets were in a pennant race. So physically, he's okay. 
then I don't see the harm in it. And I think it could benefit the player a lot more than we realize. Edwin Diaz coming back is not for me. It's not for you. It's not for a cheap pop at City Field in late September. I do not believe that this incarnation of the Mets would ever bring Edwin Diaz back for a cheap attendance pop. That's not who they are. They wrote a letter admitting they're giving up. I know that people are still pissed about it, but I respect, just like when Dolan did it, I respected it. Now, some teams can't do that. Some, the Wilpons would never write a letter admitting, hey, sorry, things sucked. We're going to change things. They admitted in a letter, uh, you got no reason to watch this team this year. I don't think that team is going to pressure a pitcher to come back for some cheap pop. I don't. You want to call me naive? Fine. Maybe I'm naive. So if it's not about that and it's just literally doctors say he's okay, Diaz wants to just prove to himself he can be out there, I'm all for it. I don't think it's a negative at all. So I think what we need to do is not just think about, what's the point? The season's over. It's not necessarily about us. Not necessarily about the team's record. I think it's about the athlete going out there and proving to themselves, hey, I can do this. I can physically come back. And the Mets are going to need him to physically come back because next year, how important is Edwin Diaz? He's pretty damn important. So I don't know if he's going to come back, Pete, but I'm good with it if he's physically ready. Why the hell not? Yeah, no, I, and I get that. I understand that, that for the player himself. But here's the thing, too. Like, sometimes the team has to step in and think about what's best for the team. Look at freaking Anthony Rizzo over there. For the two months where he had a concussion, they couldn't figure it out. And maybe Anthony Rizzo was trying to play a little bit hard-nosed baseball because he knew that without Aaron Judge, somebody had to step up on this team, and he couldn't be the one to complain because he's you know he wanted to be the leader of the team, whatever the case is. Edwin Diaz, if he if the doctors say it's okay, the Mets still have to think of it as a whole of like, do we need you to go out there and risk getting hurt in a in the last month of the season? Rush him back. Even if the doctor says, okay, you just never know. Just but save him for next year. You, you always have a risk of injury, though. No matter what you do, there's a risk of injury. So are you saying just in general, there's a risk of injury or there's more of a risk of injury because of the injury he's coming back from? I think it's more because the injury he's coming back from. Even the doctor says, oh, he can, he's okay to pitch. You still just never know, given the history of the injury. Yeah, I don't think they will let him back if there's any risk towards next year. I think it would be, he's healthy, he's fine. He now runs the same risk that he would run in March of 2024. Uh, let's get to some of your emails. The RicoB at gmail.com. Mets get set for a four-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals. By the way, that game, the opener, Thursday night or tonight, depending on when you're listening, is a nationally televised game. No Gary, no Keith. Fox, which I do not understand. You know, how they put Mets Cardinals on a Thursday night on Fox just is beyond me. Uh, Jimmy writes, congratulations on calling the 500 homestand. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I sent an email in April disagreeing with you about Peterson over McGill as the fifth starter. Neither of us got that right. Tyler McGill was okay yesterday or today. I think he has some really good stuff, but at some point you have to put it all together. What bothers me the most about both of them is the season's over and they're still walking the ballpark. Are these six weeks both their last chance? And if so, 
Peterson seems okay out of the pen. Would you consider converting Miguel to a one-inning reliever or move on? I wouldn't want either guy in the rotation next year. You are going to need depth guys, which they were supposed to be this year, and they were very bad at. A part of why the Mets failed this season, we went through this, is that their depth guys were far worse this year than what they were last year. Besides the obvious, replacing Chris Bassett, Max Scherzer not being as good, all that, the depth guy performance was a huge reason why the Mets failed. Will they need them as depth guys next year? I don't know. I got to see what they do during the offseason. I am intrigued by Peterson out of the bullpen. I am. I think in theory, Tyler McGill could be a good uh, good look good at the bullpen. When we saw him do it last year, he was very ineffective. But I am at the point where I would view both of those guys as intriguing options out of the bullpen if they can be converted into relievers while simultaneously understanding you need depth guys. You know, you are going to need a sixth, a seventh, an eighth, sometimes a ninth starting pitcher. Are you confident in the development of Jose Budo to be a depth guy? Are you confident in one or two of the younger guys to be close enough with their depth guys? Uh, Elias R. Hernandez, we barely ever saw this year. Can he be a depth guy? Are there other arms they're going to add during the offseason that not just to fill out the rotation, but can qualify as depth guys? Or are we going to be in a spot where both Peterson and Miguel fit that role again? I'm at the point where they're just never going to be the answer in a rotation. And because of that, like the old days, you move them to relievers and see if you can get the most out of them. David Ramos Rice, what's up, bitches? Wow. What what an intro. Sorry, just really pissed off at anything Mets-related right now. (laughs) So because we're the Rico Bees, pissed off at us. Can you clarify this thing with the sixth overall record? Is it the record or the lottery result? For example, let's say the Mets finished with the sixth worst record, but after the lottery, they get the seventh pick. Because they finished with the sixth worst record, do they still get penalized and have that pick go to 17, or do they stay at seven because it goes by record? Also, doesn't this top six worst record also mean that if you sign a free agent with a qualifying offer, you do not lose the pick if you have one of the six worst records? I think it's, uh, I think it is. Thanks. Great guys. David Ramos. You only have one of those six horse records. What does that mean, that last line? We only have one of the six horse records? Worst records. Oh, oh. <laughs> He's reiterating his question. The horse thing can conf- uh, confuse me a little bit. It is where you pick. So here's a great, here's a, I guess the opposite of this. Right now, the Mets are not in the bottom six. Let's say they finish ninth, ninth worst record, but they win the lottery. They literally jump up and get the number one overall pick. It would stay at number one. So their pick moving down 10 slots is their draft pick. Forget about where they finish record wise. It's where they're picking in the draft. That's why there's an added layer of confusion to this whole thing. It's not as simple when the season ends in the first week of October. Hey, guys, congratulations. We finished with the fifth worst record. Yay. No, no, no. They can drop. The lottery could cause them to drop. And if they drop from five to seven, they're picking 17th. So it's all about the lottery. And I think one person brought this up last week, and I'm sure we'll get more of it as time rolls on. The idea that Rob Manfred will try to screw us. The idea that he will 
reverse the lottery against the Mets as a penalization of all the spending Steve Cohen has had. I can't jump on board with it yet because this is like our first lottery. And what, what the hell do we know? This ain't the NBA. This isn't David Stern with the frozen envelope. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I don't buy the conspiracy. I could tell Pete's already buying the conspiracy, though, right? Oh, I'm locked in on that. <laughs> <laughs> He's all over it. Uh, Giuseppe writes, Evan and Hoff, I plan to get the Edwin Diaz bobblehead all season. And I'm going to the game. This was prior to the game on Tuesday. And I was looking at all the promotions for the rest of the year. And I happen to see that tomorrow, as in Wednesday, they're giving away Max Scherzer-inspired sunglasses. I feel like they would have taken that promotion off. Well, they did, in fairness. If you went to the game on Wednesday and you bought tickets to get the Max Scherzer sunglasses, you never got them because they pulled the promotion. I mentioned this on the air with Tiki, if you missed it. The Red Sox had a Kiki Hernandez bobblehead. They traded Kiki Hernandez. What they decided to do was give you the bobblehead with a note. And it was a note from Kiki basically thanking you for his time in Boston. So I don't know how that would have gone with Max, though. They give you the Max sunglasses and they're like, dear Met fans, I'm so sorry for sucking against the San Diego Padres. <laughs> I apologize for not shutting my mouth. You know, sorry. Hey, hey guys, uh, this is Max Scherzer here and say uh, thank you so much for the support. And this is actually what was on my glove when they checked me and tossed me out of the game. <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, Fred Solomon writes, Diva Search. I'm tired of hearing Max Scherzer run his mouth, whether it's, ex- whether it's his excuses, his injuries, the sticky stuff, or calling Verlander a diva. Try keeping a lead against the Braves or Yankees first. The fact he didn't answer the bell in game six of the 2021 LCS and failed to show up for any big game is a met. Same with Verlander. I don't care what he complained about. I do care that he missed a month and didn't really show up until July. I agree with you about Max. I don't care if he liked Justin Verlander. I don't care anymore about if he thought he was a diva. I, I disagree, though, Fred, with the comment about Verlander. I think that mattered. I think Verlander... And Verlander had to go to social media to basically clarify that Puma story that he loved his teammates and that it was constructive criticism about the Mets analytics. That's a good thing. I'll give you, it's not a Nets comparison, Hoff, but I'll give you a Jets comparison. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Aaron Rodgers has credibility. If Aaron Rodgers in the offensive room is going to say, hey, I got some advice on how we should handle this, I would want the Jets to listen because Aaron Rodgers is coming from an organization of success. Justin Verlander was in Houston where everything they touched turned to gold. If he's telling you, hey, guys, I don't think you use your analytics as well as the Astros do. Should you not listen? The Astros are everything we all want to be. So I, I took, you know, there are certain stories I hear, and I, I'm not making the decision based on biases or preconceived notions. I'm trying to be fair about it. And I hear it, and I'm like, eh, I don't think that matters. Eh, I think that's overblown. 
then there are other things that jump out at you. And I think Justin Verlander being critical of the Mets analytics department is a big deal and is something that the Mets should take notice of and should almost say thank you for telling us because the New York Mets are not the Houston Astros, and we wish we were. Well, wasn't that something that, like, when Epler first had his go-around of if this team continues to struggle, don't expect me to go and add more to this team. I'm not going to do it. But in that same sentence, he went on and criticized how, again, how far back the World Ponds were with everything. Yeah. How everything was just so behind. And, and again, the analytic part of it is one of those things that's just way behind the eight ball. The hope is, though, we're not as far behind the eight ball as we were three years ago. And finally, Dan had a really interesting observation. I find it funny how in two years, Buck has never pulled a player aside in the dugout, no matter how stupid or brain dead of a play they make. I won't mention any names, Brandon Nemo, but tonight, and he's talking about game one of this series, and this was very noticeable what he's about to bring up, but tonight he decides to publicly lecture Pete Alonzo on the top step of the dugout about the baseline play where the camera can pick up the whole thing. Between Cohen's lack of commitment to him and all the BS in the media right now, it almost feels like they're going out of their way to make Pete the fall guy for this disaster, and I can't understand why. So what he's referring to on Monday night was they called the base runner who was in a rundown between first and second out of the baseline, and as that was happening, Pete made a throw home that was a wild throw. So we thought Mets are about to be down 2 nothing. The umpire signals, no, guy's out of baseline. He's out. Inning's over. Mets catch a break. Gary Cohen explains to all of us, hey, the umps got this wrong because you can't call a guy for being out of the baseline if there isn't an attempt to tag the runner. And Pete did not make an attempt to tag the runner. So he just got it, looked home to try to get that lead run, makes the bad throw. Guy's out of the baseline, but as Gary said, Pete never made an attempt to tag which is very interesting. And how many times has this come up? And yeah, you do see the next inning Buck talking to Pete. This is where I disagree with Dan. Lecturing, I, I, they're talking about a complicated baseball play. They are talking about a play that maybe you never have in five years at first base. So I didn't take that. And, I, and you would have guessed I'm on edge about Alonzo, right? That I'm looking for any hint that the Mets are looking to F him. I thought that was Buck just talking baseball with his first baseman and explaining, hey, so for the future, if this ever happens again, just so you know, because you may not, make sure you attempt that tag. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I think that Dan and a lot of other Met fans are on edge, maybe rightfully so, about their fears about Pete Alonso and their fears about what the Mets are thinking, certainly because the rumors have been out there that he was in trade discussion at the trade deadline. I don't think it's about making Pete the fall guy. I think the Mets, and Steve Cohen proved this to us last year, is a businessman. And we discussed this on the last week, and I'm sure we'll do plenty more episodes as time rolls on. I think he's a businessman. I don't think there's this emotional attachment to lifelong Mets. There wasn't for DeGrom. And, and, and I know it's easy now to say, well, they clearly made the right decision. Obviously. Jake at Tommy Johnny may never pitch again. I acknowledge that. But we said it at the time. There really wasn't any, eh, it's Jake. It's our guy. Let's, let's offer him a little bit more. I don't think the Mets 
are going to view Pete Alonso or anybody else for that matter as sentimental guys they've got to keep. I think they're going to make business decisions. And if Pete Alonso's people are asking for a contract right now, and that's really what I want to find out. Have they had any discussions? That's a really important question. Have the Mets offered anything to Pete? Has his agent made an offer to the Mets? Is there any discussion? I think that tells us a lot. If there's no discussion at all, I'd be a little worried. I'd say, whoa, that's a little strange. But my guess, and it's just a pure guess, I admit this, is that they're just far off. That Pete Alonso's guys probably want $275 million. And the Mets are like, we don't value that way. And I think that's really what it's about. If you look too much into this, and maybe you shouldn't, maybe you will, when Steve Cohen wrote that letter to Mets season ticket holders recently, admitting what they were doing, he mentioned Alonzo prominently as a core member of this team next year. So I'm not convinced they're looking to make him the fall guy and they're looking to trade him. I think this comes down to value. This comes down to how much do they think he's worth and how much does he think he's worth himself. And that's what may lead to all this. But I didn't find that troubling at all, Dan. It's an interesting observation. I'm glad you brought it up and I'm glad you emailed us about it. I thought that was just a natural baseball discussion between Buck Showalter and Pete Alonso. We got four games coming up against the St. Louis Cardinals. That should be fun. And we'll see what happens. Who the hell knows? We're in the dog days of summer, ladies and gentlemen. And these are the bad dog days because we're in no pennant race whatsoever. But we do appreciate you listening. We will be here for Rico after every series. Don't you fear. Email us, thericob at gmail.com, thericob at gmail.com. Pete's going to have a good time at Disney World. Where are you going first? Which theme park do you hit first? Uh, I have no idea. See, I, I allowed my wife and my uh, my 10-year-old to book this whole entire trip, so I'm just paying the bill. I'm not actually knowing <laughs> what we're doing. You're just along <laughs> for the ride. How many days uh, will you be at Disney World? All right, so today is today will be Wednesday. If, the, if you count that, we're coming home next Wednesday, so... Oh, wow. Seven, eight days. Yeah. Look at you. I'm doing Disney World in December and I'm driving. So I ain't worried about any freaking flight delays. And I believe it or not, me and my wife were planning it out yesterday. We were already talking about how to meticulously plan this out because we love as adults Epcot Center. We think Epcot is fantastic, but the kids obviously love Magic Kingdom. That's that's the go-to. So I'm thinking two days Magic Kingdom, one day Epcot, one day uh animal whatever and one day the disney uh, the uh the studios whatever the hell that's called yeah Uh, was it mgm studios is that what it is i don't even know no i think it's called disney studios now i think that's what it's called i have no idea i'm just going for (laughs) listen i am not a disney snob my wife and my kids are i am just i literally am just here right now that's where that's what's up (laughs) well enjoy yourself and stay away from the mets learn from me don't watch the mets while you're on vacation (laughs) i'll do my best (laughs) We appreciate you listening and downloading another edition of Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.